Welcome back to The Compass, the podcast ministry of Calvary Baptist Church of Fayetteville, Arkansas. We're thrilled that you've chosen to download and listen as we continue our journey through God's Word. Now we're back in the Old Testament today as Pastor Kirk looks at 1 Samuel 17 as we continue our study on the life of David entitled God's Man in Faith and Failure. But before we get to that, I want to thank you for for listening, for joining us as we work our way through God's Word. But you know, we would love to meet you in person. If you live in Northwest Arkansas, come and worship with us. We're located at 1410 North Porter Road in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and we would just be thrilled to spend some time with you and your family as we worship together here at Calvary. If you're needing more information, you can find us at calvaryfayetteville.com or you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, the list goes on. We're out there, and we would love to connect with you. And so if you have any questions, you can email us at info at calvaryfedville.com. Call us at 479-442-4634 or message us through any of our social media outlets. Again, on today's podcast, Pastor Kirk is sharing a message entitled, The Bigger They Are, talking about David and Goliath from 1 Samuel 17. Let's listen together. Turning your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17, please. 1 Samuel chapter 17, if you do not have a Bible, there should be one in the book rack in front of you. It's page number 239 in your pew Bible. There's a couple of surprising truths that I want to bring to your attention this morning. The first concerns the biblical character of which we are studying in this new series of messages we began just a couple of weeks ago. David, God's man in faith and failure. David was a man after God's own heart. And with every message, we're going to see that emerge even further. Did you know, though, that David is mentioned, his name, almost a thousand times in the Bible? 974 to be exact. Second only, second only to Jesus himself. And so David plays a prominent place in Scripture, not only in the Old Testament, but certainly in the New as well. More prominent in many ways than Abraham, Moses, or any of the apostles. He is the author, David is, well, the one who wrote down from the author the words of the longest chapter in God's Word, and that's Psalm 119. Now, the second surprising truth, and I had not thought about this until I was beginning preparation on this message a couple of weeks ago, that um, this very familiar story may be the best known story in all the Old Testament, one that we learned if you were in Bible school, vacation Bible school, or Sunday school as just a little person, even a little toddler hears and learns this story very early, the story of a young boy going up against an undefeatable foe, Goliath. And I got to thinking that over all these years of ministry, that I've preached or taught some 
nine to 10,000 times, I have never preached a sermon on this chapter. I've never preached a sermon about David and Goliath. I've tended to just go right by it. I've alluded to it and I've referenced it, but in over 50 years of ministry, I've never used this story as the whole content and focus of a message. Well, that surprised and shocked me, and as I got to thinking about it, I realized that while this is one of, if not the best-known stories in the Bible, it's one that we often overlook in its telling, but even more tragically, it is one that we often get wrong in its application. I have applied this story in error on many occasions. And guess what? So have you. So we want to try to correct that a little bit today. And let us set the context before we begin reading. Of course, uh, this chapter is very lengthy. We'll not read all of it, but we'll read portions of it. But before we do, set the story. Remember that Saul, the king that the people of Israel demanded, especially after seeing some of the shortcomings of the sons and the offspring of the judges. The first king of Israel was named Saul. The people wanted a king to be like all the nations around them. But the spirit has now left Saul. Because of his disobedience, because of his willfulness, the same spirit that rushed on him at the start has now departed King Saul. David, the shepherd boy from Bethlehem, has been anointed by Samuel to be the next king, although that anointing took place in secret. Only David's family were witnesses to that anointing. It's not yet been made known to the people of the land. Now, the Israelites under Saul had fought and won many battles. God had given them victory over the Ammonites, over the Moabites, over the Amalekites, and even a couple of of skirmishes with the Philistines. But we find the Philistines were a stubborn people, and they were well entrenched in the land uh, of Canaan, that these people were strong. And they worshipped a false god named Dagon. And so the people of Israel are continuing to fight the Philistines. And that's what we have taking place in this chapter. Once again, Israel is in battle against these perpetual enemies. And the situation is grave. For you see, the Philistines have a champion. He is a nine-foot six-inch center who can slam-dunk the ball over everybody. Well, actually, we don't know if he could or not, but I have an idea that he could have. But certainly he was a mighty warrior who had never known defeat. He was frightening, terrible to look upon. And for days on end, He has come out twice every day before the armies of Israel and defied them and their God. 
The battle is at a stalemate. Both armies on opposite mountainsides with the valley of Elah lying between. As a result, the Bible tells us in verse 10 and 11 that Saul and his army, the army of Israel, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. So let me give you a key truth. It is a key truth that undergirds this whole story and one that we need to remember because this is the transferable concept that comes down thousands of years later to you and me. And the key truth is this. The future has two handles. Faith and fear. And every day, you and I will choose which one of those handles that we will take hold of. You've heard me say that on many occasions. The future has only two handles, faith or fear. Not only the future, the years to come, but also today. That today, whatever you're facing, there's only two handles by which you can take hold of it, faith or fear. And the story of David and Goliath is a story of faith versus fear. Well, this chapter has described uh, Goliath to us. He's a mountain of a man. It's described the situation to us. And we find, beginning in verse 21, that young David arrives on the scene bringing provisions of parched wheat, bread, and cheese to his three oldest brothers who are in Saul's army. And verse 21 says, And Israel and the Philistines grew up, uh, drew up for battle, army against army. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers. And as he talked with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. Now, note these next four words in the last sentence of verse 23. And David heard him. Now, Dale Ralph Davis a renowned Old Testament scholar and good Presbyterian, offers up an outline of 1 Samuel chapter 17. It captures the story effectively, and with your permission and even without it, I'm going to utilize his three-point outline. Would that be all right? Faith versus fear. First of all, the voice of faith. How does faith speak? How does faith declare itself? The voice of faith, we read these words in verse 26. And David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God. What shall be done 
How can we take away the reproach from Israel? We are being reproached. We are, we are being um, insulted. Our God is being insulted by this situation. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That he should defy the armies of the living God. The important point in this story is that Goliath was not just taunting an army on the hillside over there. He was insulting and taunting the sovereign Lord of the universe. And it appears that everybody else did not understand that. But David heard him. David heard those words for the first time in his ears. And David heard those words differently than everybody else. For David was a man after God's own heart. David was a man of faith. And understand that until David came into the Israelite camp, there was no one who was willing to step out in faith and face this giant with all of his insults. Now it's interesting to remember that just as the Philistines had a champion named Goliath, the Israelite army also had a champion. They also had one who stood taller than all the rest. For you see, Saul was a big man. Saul, the king, was a mighty warrior, a fearsome warrior as well. And if you recall, the Israelites wanted and demanded to have a king, not only to be like the nations all around them, but they also wanted a king who would go and fight their battles. But the Israelite champion was fearful and hiding also. Now here's a lesson to remember. And here's a point I want to make. And here is an error I want to hopefully correct for you today in your thinking. Understand that there will always be giants who are bigger than you. No matter how strong you are, no matter how learned in the Word, no matter how long you follow Jesus, no matter how uh, mighty you have been in controlling your circumstances and guiding your life and your family's life or, or whatever context you want to put that in, there will always be giants larger than you. Have you ever heard the saying that God will never give you more than what you can handle. Have you ever heard that? May I declare to you today that that is a lie that comes straight from the pits of hell. God not only does not promise that, by the way, that gets quoted as scripture. People will say, as the Bible says, you know, God will never give you more than you can handle. The Bible doesn't say that anywhere. In fact, the Bible declares the exact opposite. 
Listen to these words from the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. This is Paul writing to the Corinthians. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction that we experienced in Asia. Now listen to his words. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. That's the Apostle Paul talking. We despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Don't you think that those Israelites and that army felt the same way? But that was, now listen, this was the purpose of all of that. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Why does God give us giants? Why does he give us circumstances far too great for us to handle? Why is it that we have these things that we have to face in life so that you will not rely on yourself, but so that you will depend instead on the God who raises the dead. Now understand what God teaches in principle in the New Testament. That's the principle. God will illustrate for us in picture in the Old Testament. And that is the story that we read about with David and Goliath. Now, before I go to the second point, I want you to see and hear this voice of faith. By referring to Goliath, as this uncircumcised Philistine. He is saying this giant is a pagan who is not a citizen among God's covenant people. He is not on God's side. God is not in covenant with him. And he will not inherit the covenant blessings of God. And the promise of salvation is not offered to him. And the hope of eternal life in heaven is not something that he's even cognizant of. In other words, David is the first and only person that day that brought God into the conversation. For everybody, armies on both sides, numbering in the thousands. And for this uh, giant of a man, Goliath, the champion of the Philistines, and this giant of a coward in Israel, King Saul, that, that this young shepherd boy is the first one that speaks a word that brings God into the circumstance. This is the first theology that enters the battlefield on that day. He sees things from a godly, heavenly perspective. By the way, this is the first time we find David speaking in Scripture. Did you know that? He's been around for a while. But the Bible records no other words from him. This is the first time we find him speaking, and he's bringing theology to the battlefield. That is the voice of faith. Point number two the vitality of faith. The vitality of faith. I take up the reading with verse 31. When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul, and he sent for him. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. 
your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, and he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Mark it down, friends, and remember it. True faith takes action. True faith is not just an attitude of the heart. It's not just words of the mouth. It takes action. A faith that doesn't produce works, Brother James tells us in the New Testament, is a dead faith, being alone. Faith takes action. When it's real in your heart, when it's real in your testimony, it will be real in your actions. David's faith faith was not just a faith of words. It was a faith that produced courage, confidence, and action. Someone has said David actually had to face three Goliaths on this day. The first Goliath was his elder brother. Actually, three of his elder brothers were in Saul's army, but the oldest was one by the name of Eliab. And we didn't read the verses in this chapter, but if you go back and look at it when you get home, you're going to find that Eliab had nothing but contempt on his baby brother David. Probably attitudes and feelings. Going back a previous chapter, to the day of David's anointing when his father brought in his sons and he looked, Samuel looked, and Eliab presumed that he would be the choice. After all, he was the oldest, but he wasn't. It was the least that God chose. And very likely that contempt stemmed from being overlooked or rejected as the next king. Eliab had contempt for his baby brother. And so David had to overcome that Goliath. Secondly, the second Goliath was King Saul himself. King Saul, who only saw a young boy, who only saw the way of victory as coming through being trained, being equipped, and being experienced in battle. And this boy, David, didn't have it. And so David had to overcome that perception, secondly. And finally, he had to overcome Goliath, the giant himself. So what was it that animated David's courage and faith? What was it that gave his faith vitality and strength? And he goes and he recalls the lion and the bear. 
And he says, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Here's a principle that you and I need to always remember. Looking back in faith will enable us to look forward in faith. Looking back in faith enables you to look forward in faith. It may just be small baby steps in faith, but steps of faith along the way, those small at the time, understand when you face a real giant before you, God's faithfulness to you because of your faithfulness to him during those days will enable you to face the giant that is before you. Number three, the victory of faith. The victory of faith. We have a little bit longer of a reading, but let's read the story beginning in verse 40. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in his shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, this is going to be David's second or third great speech in this chapter. Listen to what he has to say. Verse 45, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beast of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the, uh, the Philistine and David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone, and struck the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled, and this is the word of the Lord. 
That's not the last time you're going to hear about that sword, by the way. David's going to take it up again a little bit later. I can just imagine David kneeling as he selected five smooth stones. And then I can imagine the gasp on both sides of that valley that day as the army saw him, not in fear and trepidation, sneaking up on the giant, but running headlong at him, covering the ground so quickly, swinging that sling so quick, so fast it happened, you almost didn't see it happen. And that giant falling dead. The heart of this account of the slaying of Goliath is the last sentence in verse 47. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into his hand. Let me make an observation, and then we'll draw this to a close. Every time I've heard this story preached, taught, or alluded to, at least almost every time, the same mistake of application is made. Now, I believe there's a certain degree of truth to it, but I don't believe it is a true. I don't believe it is a true interpretation of this scripture. It is almost universally viewed and applied as a story which challenges us to see and believe that through faith we can defeat all of our Goliaths, all of our problems. And I want you to know that's not, that's not untruthful. That, that is an application that you can make. But the implication in all of that is that we tend to view that as putting you and me in David's sandals on that day. That, that the story of David is a story for us. That David shows us how we go out there and defeat all of the giants, winning all kinds of victories. We tend to make ourselves David in the story. But while that idea is well-intended, Folks, that's not an accurate understanding of this scripture. If you want to know who you are in this story, and I want to know who I am in this story, I'm one of those cowering soldiers looking for a rock or a tree to hide behind up on the hillside. And that's who you are too. For the hero of this story the real David of this story is not you and me. The David of this story is Jesus, the son of David. The hero of this story is Christ. Stop trying to be the hero. Stop putting yourself into the story as David. David prefigures Christ for us. 
He is the hero of all of our stories. Goliath and the Philistines represent sin. Sin that was supposed to have been driven out, but never was fully. Sin that continually plagues the people of God. Sin that continues to nag at us and win victories over us. And just as Adam and Eve had failed in the garden to be the people of God, and just like their descendants had failed to be the true people of God in the world, and just like Abraham and his family and the children of Israel constituted into a nation as the people of God had failed to be the true church of God, the true people of God in the world. And just like all of these had failed, the prophets come along and tell us that the one who is the true David, the one who is the true Israel is going to come. And he referenced Jesus. And so Jesus came along to fulfill everything that the people had failed in all the years before. And he is not only become their champion, he is the one who is our champion today so that we can be the people of God in the world to worship him and to praise him and to share his gospel and to advance his cause. And just like David had said to his brother in the King James, is there not a cause? And so Christ is the hero. God had to step in to fight the battle for us against sin. And that's what David represents in this story. And when Jesus declared from the cross, it is finished. Understand he was declaring his victory and ours over sin and over Satan. And understand that when he rose from the dead three days later, he was adding an exclamation mark to that declaration. Friends, just remember this truth about David and Goliath. Don't make yourself the hero and central character of your story going forward from today. Put Christ at the center. Only he can defeat the giants in your life and in mine. Would you pray with me, please? Father, would you help us remember that this isn't a story just for the children. Oh, how we need it today. Oh, how we need to remember and be reminded that you will give us situations and circumstances, giants in our lives, far too great for us to handle. But you teach us through that to rely on you, not our strength. And Father, would you remind us that Jesus has already won the battle for us over sin and over Satan. Help us to move forward with a mindset and a heart set of faith in facing whatever you send our way. 
I pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our heart's desire is that you grow and understand the direction God has for you in your life. We hope that by listening today, you are one step closer to discovering that for yourself. If you live in Northwest Arkansas and are looking for a church to call your own, we invite you to reach out to us at Calvary as we study and serve together. We meet for worship at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1410 North Porter Road in Fayetteville, Arkansas. If you wish to find out more information about Calvary Church or simply contact us, you can do that through our Facebook page or at calvaryfayetteville.com. Until next time, remember that God, His Word, and His people can provide direction for life.